0: Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Hi, everyone. How are we doing? we really excited to be in January. Glad that Christmas is over or just, yeah, different feelings around the room. (laughs) Okay. Well, you've joined us in our sort of newish sermon series. We're going through the book of Luke. Which is very exciting. It's one of the Gospels. Uh, Last week, we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan. And if, like me, you weren't actually able to be here, um, you can catch up online. It was great. Uh, Today, we're moving into chapter 11, which um, is actually thinking about some of the things that Jesus said about prayer. Um, Becky's just prayed but I'll just pray again. <laughs> God, um, yeah, would you just be over every aspect of what I said this morning and would you give us hearts that are ready to receive what you're wanting to do today? Thank you. So before we get into the passage itself, um, I'm kind of hoping that you guys are really excited because it's the beginning of the year and we just all want to give something today. So I thought we'd get us all talking for just a couple of minutes and um, I wonder what comes to mind when you think of the word prayer. We hear about it quite a bit at church. I kind of hope we do anyway. Um, But what are we actually doing when we pray? Is there like a right way to do it? Can we get it wrong? Um, So why don't we just turn to one another just in small groups and just chat a bit about what prayer means to you. Don't worry, if you do not want to do that, you can just think about it. Um, But yeah, I'm just going to give you like a minute just to have a think. What comes to mind when you think of the word prayer? Um, go for it. Okay, I'm going to bring us back. Um, right, why don't you guys nominate someone from your group? <laughs> I want someone to shout out at me. What did you come up with? What sort of things were you thinking about? <laughs> Anything? Being honest, love it. Talking to God, fabulous. Any any other thing? Listening. Love it. <laughs> Listening as well as talking, okay. Sorry. Powerful, fabulous. Sorry. Tr- Did you say trusting? requesting. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Um, So it can feel a bit like prayer isn't actually that easy to define. Um, As we can see, lots of different things came up. We can kind of pray privately, corporately, in angelic tongues, by the Holy Spirit, or in our own human languages. We can pray in faith, in thanks, in adoration, in supplication. We can pray contemplatively or authoritatively, loudly, silently. There are prayers of intercession, consecration, confession, repentance. We can pray by following a liturgy or by spontaneously speaking from the heart. We can even pray without any words at all. We can pray by painting, by dancing, by breathing, or just being aware of God's spirit and inviting him closer. And your mind can kind of boggle a bit after all that. But when you look at the sort of 24-7 prayer website, um, those are the guys that make the Lectio 365 devotions. They describe prayer, as I think has been said, as simply talking with God. They say we can pray anytime, anywhere, about anything that's on our mind. We don't have to be in church, use special words. We don't have to put our hands together if we don't want to. God is listening, and he wants to hear from us. They say all we really need to do is keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. So let's find out what Jesus says in today's passage, which is from Luke 11, verses 1 to 13. And it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you had a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened for which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion if then you though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So there seem to be three segments to this passage. To begin with, a disciple asks Jesus something most of us would like to better understand. How do we pray? And Jesus responds with what we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer. The version that's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew could be the most well known and frequently said prayer among Christians still today. Or at least that's what Wikipedia informs me. It's possible a quick, Lord help me, is prayed more often. Here, Jesus has not only given us a specific prayer that we can use, which it sort of on every single day in its bare form, but he's also given us a broader framework that we can create lots of prayers from. When reading the book of Luke as a whole, the Lord's Prayer at the start of chapter 11 can almost be viewed as kind of like a hinge between chapters 9 and 10 and then what follows in chapter 11. In 9 and 10, Jesus shows the miraculous provision of God by feeding the 5,000. He also sends out disciples to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God and to be part of bringing his kingdom to earth by healing the sick and driving out demons. And then he gives us a picture of what loving our neighbor can look like with the story of the Good Samaritan, where someone who was thought of as an enemy shows radical compassion to a person. And now in the Lord's Prayer, we can see further imagery of all these aspects of the Kingdom of God. So how do we pray? First of all, by seeking to know who it is that we're talking to. And don't worry, if you don't think you know anything about God, you can still try and pray. He is so happy to receive your prayers and to hear from you. But as Jesus shows us, we can address the creator of the universe as father. This is who God is to us, not a distant concept, but the almighty one who gave us life and who wants to connect with us personally. The illustration of God as Father goes way back to when Moses was sent by the Lord with a message for Pharaoh. Exodus 4, to 23 says, Israel is my firstborn son. Let my son go so that he may worship me. To call on God the Father in prayer is to invoke the God of the exodus, the liberating God who feeds the hungry and brings forgiveness and liberation and deliverance to those who are enslaved by sin or darkness. But the Lord's Prayer doesn't leave it at that. Jesus also teaches us to cherish and be in awe of God and who he is by going on to worship him with the words, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is a lovely word, but it's a bit out of fashion nowadays. Um, I used to chant this line all the time without particularly knowing what it meant. To be hallowed is to be greatly revered and honoured. We are to address God as Father and respect and honour and praise him above all others. Then Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. But what does that mean? At the start of last year, we did a sermon series through the book of Matthew called The Clash of the Kingdoms, which explores this topic in more depth. And again, it's still available on the church website if you would like to have a listen. One of the simplest ways I try and understand the kingdom of God is to remember that to be a kingdom, there has to be a king. And for it to be God's kingdom, it has to be him that's on the throne with all others under his authority. Anything that's operating outside of his will is not of his kingdom. Greed, malice, any kind of pain and disunity are products of the brokenness that's been ushered in by sin. We can seek to be part of bringing God's kingdom to earth, both by praying for it and by living it out. This can be on any scale. In our hearts, when we worship, seek, and submit to God, we're inviting the kingdom of God into our lives by subjecting ourselves and putting ourselves under his authority. In creation, when we take care of the world he made, we're operating in the kingdom in the way that Adam and Eve were first commissioned to in the Garden of Eden. And in daily life, when we pray for one another, for the people around us, for healing, restoration of hearts, or act in line with the fruits of the Holy Spirit by being loving, kind, patient, peaceful, gentle, faithful, and exercising self-control. All of this and so much more is living out and praying in the kingdom of God. Jesus would say, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here but we're also waiting to see it in its fullness when he returns. We often speak of healing and other miracles as being supernatural. But actually, when God's kingdom breaks through in moments like that, we're seeing things being brought back into alignment with how they should be. Because sickness, broken hearts, starvation, war, these were never part of the original blueprints in God's perfect design. They're consequences of us straying away from his authority, from his goodness, and from worshipping him right at the dawn of humanity, and pretty much ever since. Matthew 6.10 records Jesus following your kingdom come with your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Life lived in line with God's perfect plan. The Lord's Prayer continues with the plea, give us each day our daily bread. In the book of Exodus, God provides the people with manna from heaven to eat just enough for each day. And if we look back at Luke chapter 9, we can see that Jesus uses just a small amount of bread to feed thousands of people, sharing it around until they're not only fully fed, but there's plenty left to to, um, spare. (laughs) Right after this passage, Luke records Peter as declaring Jesus to be the Messiah. Peter witnesses Jesus provide in a similar way to what was experienced by the Israelites all those centuries before. And the Holy Spirit reveals to him that Jesus is the one that they've all been waiting for. Now when teaching his disciples how to pray, Jesus is showing them that they and all of us can pray to God for what we need. More than that though, In John chapter 6, we can read that Jesus not only miraculously fed everyone, but then he declared that he is the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will not go hungry. When we eat food, we get hungry again. But when we come to Jesus, we are satisfied on a much deeper, eternal level. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, we can be reminded that God not only is our provider in everyday things that we need, but that he is the one true source of life who feeds and fills our hearts to overflowing. The Lord's Prayer goes on to remind us to ask God for forgiveness of our sins and to forgive those who have hurt and wronged us, which kind of suggests that we need to be confessing and repenting of our sins and forgiving others on a regular basis anyone who chooses to follow Jesus has accepted forgiveness for a debt that can never otherwise be paid to truly understand that means to live this out in our relationships each day by forgiving others when they hurt us which isn't always that easy and doesn't particularly come naturally Uh, our instinct can kind of be to want to get our own back But as the story of the Good Samaritan shows, God's kingdom doesn't always work in the way that we expect things to. Here, we do not repay evil for evil, but we overcome evil with good. Finally, the Lord's Prayer goes on to say, lead us not into temptation. And Matthew's version adds, but deliver us from the evil one showing us that it is by God's power and grace alone that we can be saved from our sins and steered away from temptation. Again, if this is a model for our regular prayer life, it paints a picture of us walking in step with God, moment by moment seeking him and keeping our eyes on him, which in turn keeps our eyes away from anything that might keep us into or lead us into sin or to stumble. So, if you've ever been struck, stuck on how to pray, the Lord's Prayer is a great place to start and come back to time and time again. So, here Jesus has given us a beautiful, simple, yet powerful prayer that we can use. But the passage doesn't stop there. Jesus continues to teach his followers with a parable that tells us something about prayer in practice. In Italian, the words for prayer and please are quite similar and sometimes interchangeable. And we see this aspect of prayer in verses 5 to 8, which say, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Yet, I tell you, even though he won't get up out of friendship, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. To be honest, this is one of those little stories that Jesus tells that has often struck me as quite odd. Why does the friend seem so reluctant to help? Is Jesus saying that God is just annoyed when we come to him in prayer? But actually, this isn't necessarily to show us a picture of God's character and attitude towards us. That comes in the final part of the passage, so much as it is illustrating how we should view prayer. When Jesus told this story, the culture at the time was one that placed enormous value on hospitality, as well as being deeply based in honour and shame. We might all think it's a ridiculous premise because who'd really go knocking on a door at midnight asking for bread? That's just rude. Um, (laughs) But at the time, the person knocking on the door is in a bit of an emergency. His friend has come to him in need and if he can't offer him anything to eat, he'll bring shame on his household and the whole village by failing to uphold the hospitality expected of him. Now he's bringing that same expectation to the friend that he's disturbing. Despite the fact that that guy and all of his family would have been woken up because they probably were sharing one bed, it's actually him, the one that's being disturbed, that's behaving badly because he's being a bit grumpy about it not the guy that's asking for bread in the middle of the night. In fact, the one knocking is confident of a positive response because he knows his friend will need to do whatever is possible to preserve the honour of the village, regardless of how inconvenient that might be. It's also interesting to note the request for three loaves in particular. One is for the visitor, as stated, but the friend hosting the visitor is asking for one for himself as well because you wouldn't have a guest eat alone. And then the third loaf is to offer the guest... Um, yeah, the host, the host is going to offer that to his guest once his guest has finished eating because you want to show your generosity. So Jesus is speaking to people who would understand this because it's part of their code of daily life. They would all want to feed a guest really generously, even one who arrives late at night without any warning. So he's showing them that when we pray, we can really rely on God in his grace, to answer us generously when we approach him boldly in prayer. There's also a clear element of tenacity being shown here, similar to the story of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18, where a woman constantly bothers a judge for justice. And he eventually caves in, not because he cares about doing the right thing, but in order to avoid being harassed any further. To be honest, I feel slightly uncomfortable preaching about that because I'm not often very faithful at praying in that way. I don't really like the idea of standing here before you teaching something I'm not very good at um, (laughs) in practice. But rather than shy away from it, I've been having a think about why it's so hard to keep praying for something when I haven't seen results and why it's important to learn to do it anyway. So what are some of the reasons we can struggle to bring our requests to God again and again when we don't initially get the answer we're hoping for? For me, a big one is energy or a lack of energy. (laughs) I feel overwhelmed with the sheer number of things that are just wrong with the world. And I feel like I can't pray enough about it all. And that's kind of true. So I often end up not really trying. Um, But that's not really the right response. (laughs) Sometimes we can also feel disillusioned and disheartened when we don't immediately get the answers that we were hoping for. Maybe our prayer wasn't answered in the way we wanted, or maybe we just haven't even seen anything happen yet. And so we give up. And finally, we might not always persist in praying for something because we haven't understood the reason that we can be assured of a good response, which is the knowledge of who God is. And that hasn't completely sunk in. That's where the two mini parables at the end of today's passage come in. They show us the Father heart of God, who it is that we approach when we pray. Jesus tells us, that even we wouldn't respond to our children's requests out of spite. And God's goodness is beyond our capacity to imagine. His responses are so much more perfect than anything we could ever come up with. When Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, the verbs here that are used imply that the person does and keeps on doing those actions. He who knocks and keeps on knocking will have the door opened to him, as the story before also shows. Seeking prayers or praying for the recovery of lost things are a favourite in my family. And that's not only because we regularly lose things, but also Because we've seen God return things to us in miraculous ways. So we often have faith that when we pray, he knows exactly where that thing is and he's going to return it to us. But the things that we can pray for that are just the best of all are seeking his heart and his kingdom. When we ask, we can be assured of a good gift in response The passage finishes with the promise that Father God will always give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. He is a better gift than anything we could ever ask for. And he is the one who can give us faith to keep on praying for everything else while we wait for the kingdom to fully break through. So this morning, I kind of thought we could wrap things up a little differently It's one thing talking about what prayer is and what it could look like and theorizing a little bit, but it's an action. It's a way that we can engage in the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father, or we can start to build a relationship if we don't have one already. And it's a way to ask for the things of heaven to become more present on earth today. So before we invite the band up, I really wanted to spend a few minutes just in small groups on our tables, getting together and lifting up things in prayer. That could be stuff that actually you really care about in your own life, or it could be something that is happening at the world at large. We did a bit of praying for that this morning. And I just think it's really, really important, actually. There's so much pain and hurt around the world at the moment. Um, and so actually, I just really thought we could spend this time in little groups, praying for, for whatever's on your heart. Um, Matthew 18, 18 to 20 says, Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything that they ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So, you're welcome to engage or not depending on how you feel. But yeah, if you just want to turn to little groups around you and it doesn't have to be twos and threes. Um, But yeah, if you just want to pray for a few minutes about anything, you just, it could just be one word that you let the group know. It could be just the name of a place. It could be the name of a person. It could be whatever word you want to use or sentence. Um, And we're just going to lift these things up to God because actually we as church We're the praying people that are asking God to send his kingdom to earth. And this is just an opportunity to give that a go. So let's do it. Let's just pray. And don't worry. If you've never prayed before, that's fine. You don't have to say anything out loud. No one is going to judge anything that you do say if you give it a go. (laughs) God is looking at your heart. There's no right or wrong way. Um, But yeah, let's be family. Let's pray for stuff. Let's do this.